Hello, I'm Tim Worthington, only with something scary in brackets after my name. Um, brackets, that episode of the Avengers of Black Beauty where there were skeletons in cloaks or something. Yeah, that'll do. In case you hadn't noticed, it's Halloween, so here's a special extra spooky edition of Looks Unfamiliar, or as I didn't think to call it, Spooks Unfamiliar. This is a collection of highlights from a series of podcasts that myself, Ben Baker and Phil Catterall did based around suggestions that people gave to us on Twitter for things they found scary as children that they weren't supposed to find scary. We chose the best 25, trying roughly to calculate them based on how many times were mentioned, though sometimes we had to work around that a bit, but it turns into quite a fun and quite a popular show, even if I will admit I did feel a bit, well, spooked after recording it. Anyway. Here's the whole lot, so sit back and, well, I'm not sure enjoy is the right word, but listen. And at 25, the zoom on the Blue Peter boat at the end of the programme. What? (laughs) Well, you see, I thought that as well, but then I thought about it from the point of view of... Who was it that suggested it, Ben? Do we have that down there? I have no idea! (laughs) It was hello on Twitter, whoever you are that suggested that. And I kind of thought, I thought, what on earth are they on about? But then I thought, it's perfect, really. It sets exactly what we're trying to say, because obviously people as a kid were terrified. You've got to admit, the old school Blue Peter boat, the one designed by Tony Hart, looks a bit like an evil face from some angles anyway. What? The programme used to end with it just zooming <laughs> forward. Like filling the whole screen. And while I just thought, thank God the boredom's over... Maybe people were terrified of it. it, Well, they might be terrified because it meant horses galore was coming up next, or something equally as exciting. I'm I'm baffled by this, Tim. I'll be perfectly honest. There's nothing that I can recall being terrifying about Blue Peter, apart from Mark Curry. At 24! Raggedy. Raggedy. Do you remember Raggedy, Phil? You know, from from SL2's on a Raggedy. <laughs> I, I do remember that, Ben, but I think that that might not be what we're talking about. Sort of famous 70s, the Adventures of Rupert Burr, where, you know, the yeah. actual Rupert, Rupert the Burr song comes from. I think we can hear that now. Was, uh, obviously, they needed a big cast of characters, you know, because obviously you've got Rupert, you've got Badger Bill, you've got right. Little Tiger Lady. I'm not doing the song, all right? They brought in somebody who'd been a, an occasional character in the, in the original comic strips called Raggedy, who was a man made of sticks, who basically just... He was there to be a git, really, and like Rupert to go, Hello, Raggedy, how are you today? Go away, Rupert's bear! <laughs> the sole purpose was to tell Rupert to fuck off. But he was genuinely a bit scary. He was made of twigs and had a screechy voice. And the sort of funnel nose as well, that looked like he could do some proper damage if he nutted. It's strange that he's scary because Raggedy telling Rupert to fuck off is pretty much what everyone watching the programme would have been wanting, surely. What's wrong with Rupert? I don't know. I think it's because I am a rough, salty, working-class type that found nothing in Rupert's checkered trousers. Well, you shouldn't have been looking. <laughs> uh, well, what else would it do? So boring. I used to hate the way he used to shout hi instead of oi. That used to really annoy me. Yeah, no, that is irritating. What? It's like when when you're reading something and hello is spelt with an A. No, that's, that's not it. Oh, don't do hello. that. At 23, it's the BBC 1978 Pinocchio. Oh, my good God. I mean, I've only seen clips of this because it was uh, produced by someone 
uh, involved with Doctor Who, so clips crop up occasionally in documentaries. Yeah, well, it's from the BBC Sunday Classics slot, which are very faithful adaptations of, you know, classic family and children's literature, where they went back to the original source material. What a lot of people don't realise about Pinocchio is the original book is horrific. It's about a man whose son dies, who makes an effigy of him, and the effigy comes to life, and is maltreated for being different, and stuck to that with an actual sort of puppet made to look like it was made out of old, scrappy bits of wood. Like, wandering around amongst real humans who were bullying it and stealing from it. There were bits where it just leapt in the air, screeching for no reason. And this is true. I must have been... I must have been about three when it was... I don't know if it was the original transmission or the repeat, but I was so frightened by it that I remember my dad saying, Oh, Pinocchio's on, and I said I didn't want to watch it because it had gone boring. I was actually terrified. And then years later he said to me, Oh, that Pinocchio that you were frightened of. (laughs) <laughs> I've no idea we'd seen through my roots. <laughs> See, even the Disney Pinocchio, certainly the bit where they all turn into donkeys is fucking terrifying for a child. Yeah. Never mind if the terrible stick man puppets and dead children being involved in it. It was frightening <laughs> enough. Well, yeah. It's even more frightening in this, that bit, because actually the guy was Booger Benson in Grange Hill is one of the, the boys that goes with him to whatever it's called, Island. And he's just talking to Pinocchio and he starts braying while he's talking, and suddenly horns appear out of his head. Even more horrific than the animated one. It's just not nice at all. And I think in that The Hill and Beyond book, they say most children would probably have been too frightened to watch for long. I think that's absolutely... I don't know what went into anyone's head with it. The puppet turned up on Blue Peter talking to the presenters to explain the effect, which I wasn't expecting, (laughs) which uh, freaked me out. There you go, Blue Peter again. But uh, as well, it used a very early use of a thing called Scene Sync, where they could remotely control two cameras to do exactly the same thing at the same time, you know, which sounds like laughable now. It was a big thing then. And that's how you got him walking against moving CSO backgrounds. That was, wasn't that a right. big thing that Star Wars did, sort of around the same sort of... 77 for Star Wars, wasn't it? So. Yeah, it would have been around the same time, actually, yeah. yeah. And while we're all uh, eagerly waiting Pinocchio episode 7, <laughs> more murders. <laughs> Attack of some sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rag it, he'll come back. I think we'll move swiftly on to 22, which is the only When I Laugh opening titles. I'm H-A-P-P-Y I'm know I am, I'm sure I am I'm H-A-P-P-Y Who chose that? Well, a number of people did Which, uh, well, admittedly, I mean, you know, it's all echoey and lonely But, I, you scary? know, when, when most of its contemporary programmes Like, do here comes the comedy programme And Terry Scott falls <laughs> through a chair through a chair no he doesn't fall through a chair he's busy doing keep fit then (laughs) (laughs) for anyone who hasn't seen it it's James Borlam who always played sort of hangdog very morose very I mean the character is a shitter version of his likely lads character Terry in a lot of ways you know very angry at the world he is the working man who believes he has been 
unfairly treated. And he's trying to watch some football. <laughs> yes, and, and... Uh, the Tetley Team Man keeps coming in. Not Brian Glover, yep. the actual Tetley Team Man, animated <laughs> at great length. But yeah, he, he's been wheeled in, wheeled into an operating theatre whilst a very, very depressed man sings. But there's nothing actually scary about the programme itself. That's the thing. Unless you find illness scary. I know I am, I'm sure I am. He's H-A-P-P. Wow. Okay, at 21, it is our first musical piece, which is Oh to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry, which I recall being quite a sweet little Radio 2 style song. Shall we listen to that now? It was the 3rd of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was bailing hay. Well, you see, I always just found it more annoying than scary. A lot of people claim to be really freaked out by it. For anyone who doesn't know, it's one of those, it was a big craze in the 70s for mystery songs, and we have another of them coming up later, I think. But the idea which a couple of people use, as Elton John did this with Daniel as well, was that they wrote a verse explaining what was going on, deliberately just to cut it. So the rest of the song was hinting at something weird happening that was never explained. And in this, it's about a boy who's died in mysterious circumstances, the girl who seems to know about it, and she's spotted throwing something off a bridge. And the last verse is uh, saying how she never told anyone what had happened. Now, I was never scared by it. Most people think it's called Tallahassee Bridge, don't they? Oh, they think it's called The Legend of Billie Jean after that film with Helen Slater. No one ever thinks it's called The Legend of Billie Jean. (laughs) (laughs) But I must admit, while I was never scared by it, I've sat there for hours thinking, what what actually happened in it? Because, I mean, most songs like that you can figure out, but what, did she kill him and chuck the murder weapon over the bridge? If so, why over a bridge? How did they not know he was murdered? So has this extra verse actually turned up? Is there an extra verse or is that just uh, conjecture? No, Bobby Gentry's always refused to discuss it. Oh, so there, there was one definitely written, but she's... Yeah, yeah. Just not. That's why that's better in a lot of ways, because it, be, it would become very quickly the child murder song, wouldn't it? <laughs> on, on the one hand, yes, that is clever. On the other hand, it's a bit... Ah, I know. I know what it means. Ah. Oh, it's like... It's like the bloody American pie, isn't it? It's like, oh, what the, what's it really about? It's about seven and a half minutes if you get the full version. And it's bloody <laughs> it's about, awful. No, no, it's about pies. No, it's, it's about, it's it's about Don McLean, not that one, saying there's never been a good record made since Buddy Holly died. So why did he have to make one as well? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, caught in his own trap. <laughs> 20 is actually really exciting. Definitely some of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah, Great don't horror tell films, the though. people what it really is and tell them why it's there, because I think you know. <sighs> it's, I'm not... I, I don't understand why it's there. 20, The Play School House. What the... F- what is wrong with you, Tim? It's not me! A house with a door. One, two, three, four. Ready to play? What's the day? It's Thursday. It, it was suggested by someone else, someone I've known since since I was very mm. young, who have always sarcastically taunted, saying, "Oh yeah, it's terrifying. It have windows. One, two, three, four. I mean, I imagine if you if you reframed that whole sequence, put some sinister music over it, and said that in a really like disturbing way, then it could be scary. But as it was, no. 
It's not scary. It's not exactly the last play schoolhouse on the left, or <laughs> the play schoolhouse that dripped blood, is it? <laughs> Hardwick play schoolhouse. It could be banned. But what is scary reference, about it? I don't know. You will have to ask because oh, it is not me. I just thought it was such a good suggestion. It's going in, <laughs> but for, for reference, it is the late seventies, early eighties house. That sort of chunky, orange, blocky one that drew itself. But don't forget, don't forget who was in that house then, which perhaps should have been on the list. Hamble. Well, no. So Hamble you said has things killed that before. To... You can't you prove that's not you true. You said it was about things that weren't meant to be scary. So. <laughs> I don't think that Play School House was as scary as Play School House 2, the second story, or Play School House 3, the horror show. Play School House MD. <laughs> Tim has collated this from genuine suggestions which people have sent in. When you get to 19, for example, Rolf Harris, that's not it, there is more. <laughs> Rolf Harris singing, again, that's not it, there's more. Rolf Harris singing that Whiskey on a Sunday song. My dad, he had, he had these wooden dolls, and they dance, see, dance on a plank. He sat on the corner of Bevington Bush, astride of an old packing case, and the dolls on the end of the plank were dancing as he sang with a smile on his face. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember hearing this when I was about 13 or 14. And, you know, the song is about a creepy old entertainer, and then he, he dies and his puppets get thrown away. But I remember saying, oh, this song's awful. And my dad said, my dad said, oh, well, you were terrified of it when you were very young. I had no recollection of this. And he said, I said, what? He said, yeah, Rolf Harris sang it on the TV, and it took us hours to calm you down. Like, it must have been about two and a half, I don't know. And I'd always, I'd always had at the back of my mind, that must have just been me. Within seconds of putting the peel out on Twitter, Ian Z. Potter said, Rolf Harris singing that Whiskey on the Sunday song, backed up by Rob Morgan from the Excellent Secret Goldfish podcast. And then someone else said, yeah, I was frightened of that too. What, what, is it just the content? Is it the visuals or the audio or what? For me, it's the song. But we found it on YouTube earlier, me and Ben did, and Rolf's dressed up quite creepily as well, isn't he? He is dressed as some sort of weird sort of Victorian entertainer, yeah. And yeah. he's looking, looking in on an animated scene of a child over someone's deathbed. Yeah, it's from and one I'm, of those... I'm, it looks like it's from one of those sort of animated films where there were loads of these, like, in the 70s and 80s, where kids did not like them. They were for no, adults too, to say, you like deep, this, oh, really? it's beautiful, oh, it's charming. No. And it's Watership Down. It's always Watership Down. Watership Down, or Ben's getting closer to mentioning Max and Moritz, please do not. Because <laughs> that, that's only me that remembers that, but it was one of those cartoons, and it was, I think it's based on the German children's storybook. Must have seen it in the early 80s on ITV, but it's about two sort of Beavis and Butthead style kids who go around doing horrific pranks. And then at the end they play a prank on the miller who throws them into his mill. And you think they're going to, you know, it's all going to be comedy, but they get ground up in the machinery and spat out as pieces of bread in the shape of a screaming Mats and Moritz and eaten by ducks. And I was, the whole yeah. day afterwards, I felt like I'd seen a, you know, it felt absolutely like shell-shocked. And then a couple of weeks later, I was reading, as I used to as a kid, the regional listings in the TV Times. And I saw it listing at the region. My blood actually went cold. 
I thought, like, oh. yeah, good luck to the children of the Tyne Tees region this morning. He sounds like you want to write in and say, please, I'm from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stop you watching Max and Moritz. What's Max and Moritz? It's just, he's literally just explained it for f- uh, 18. Don't Cooper jeans. Don't be a dummy ad. This way, plugging jeans by a load of punks with blank staring eyes wander around attacking people to tube by army singing Don't Be a Dummy um, in an electronic, sort of scary, alienated, bleepy way. They drive sort of those, you know, those dystopian cars that were always in things in the 80s where a big light comes on and then the car trundles slowly. Yeah. That sort that... of thing. Somebody had two dogs on a lead, that sort of thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, you felt you need to add that final bit. Someone had two dogs in the lead. Four crazy times. <laughs> yeah, two angry dogs because they were punks. Like saying, don't be a dummy and buy these jeans. Angry. Or they we'll feed sausage. you to dogs and run over you with a really slow car. Was that pre or post human favour? I am under the impression, I don't know where I got this from, but he did this just when sort of Tubey Army was starting out, but the ads didn't come out until six months later. You know, as ads don't buy which time. He was number one in the charts. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as terribly something that a number one artist would immediately go and do. But no, no. Okay. At seventeen, this is a an obvious one for many people, and some may be suggesting why isn't it higher for a certain generation? Mister Nosy Bonk really is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> Now, for those who don't know, Mr. Nosebonk was a character in... Jigsaw. Children's programme from the sort of late 70s, early 80s. And not the murderer from the no, show. No, that's very, it's very that's important. different Jigsaw. Although, ironically, had he worn the Mr. Nosebonk mask, probably would have been <laughs> worse. I think a lot of people, when they got on the internet for the first time, had to check some things existed. And Mr. Nosebonk was definitely w- one of those. Weren't there no pictures of him online for a long yeah. time? We couldn't find one for TV Cream in but I've got to say, being a couple of years older, I never found it frightening. I, I was too young, I think. When it, it's just a picture, it's more terrifying, I think, than when it is doing something. 16 is, again, another one of those things of a certain generation. Jack Lazare. Uh, Lazare, I don't know, I've probably mashed that completely. And that was the theme tune to the ITV school series Picture Box. Almost like circus, circus organ. Yeah. Well, you say circus organ, but Jack Lazare, who was one of the uh, structures sonor in the 60s, who was sort of a famous avant garde outfit who made musical instruments and junk, he actually played that on an instrument he made out of bone. So say that again. He played that on an instrument he made out of bone. No, that's what I thought you said. Okay, it's, it's, I don't know, it could have been he played, made it out of uh, Blue Peter Boat, but uh, bone, okay. Well, dare I ask what's. No, I'm not asking what's out of bone, I don't want to know. 
I've no idea. That there's there's no way that you could be happy with any answer that comes to that question, Ben. So, so just no, don't ask it. No, just don't. But I do remember the picture box themes. It was used for a long, long time. Yeah, it was. I remember yeah. it still being up, up to the early nineties, definitely. Do you have, do you remember that film? I, I don't remember picture box at all. Sort of short films and that, wasn't it? Uh, quite often disturbing European short films, but I think it was the combination of that music and the visuals that went with it, which was uh, one of those creepy old Victorian jewel boxes spinning round on the red cushion. Uh, Phil doesn't uh, actually know what it sounds or hits, you know, looks like, so we're going to ask him to Google it now live and give us his as-we-go reactions yes. to the picture box theme. Let's have a listen. I've got the Granada logo. Well, that's bad enough. And now there's a rotating, sort of blurry box. Everything's slightly off-key. What is that box? What is that? I don't like it. Don't like it. It's going even more off-key. I really don't like... Ah! It was the uh, Alan Rothwell saying hello. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> that, that is basically you re- recreating the end of Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm not, going to, I'm not going to murder Alan Rothwell. <laughs> the, the description of that video is a zombified Victorian funfair is coming to your house to kill you. Cower upon hearing this creepy theme tune. Right, <laughs> uh, oh, so and then the, the next recommended video is the is Mr. Nosy Bonk. So <laughs> I think I'm going to close this tab and and burn down my house. <laughs> We're keeping it going at 15 with theme tunes. Picture the scene on a Monday night. You want some at fun, some at light, and what you get is this. <laughs> The uh, the opening theme to World in Action. Mm. It, it's a portent of doom, isn't it? But, but let's not let it get all the credit because over on the other side we've Aujourd'hui C'est Toi, which is of course the panorama theme. <laughs> It's from a deeply romantic bit. It's a really good film if anyone's looking for a French film from the 60s to watch. But yeah, it, it, it was in a different context in the film. But also, the World in Action theme, well, I believe it's actually called Jam for World in Action, is technically, it's more or less by the Grease Band, who Joe Cocker's backing band, who I think did it at the end of the session. I don't think it actually was at the end of With a Little Help from My Friends, although it sounds almost the same. Now, which of those would you say is the most unsettling? Based on what I remember feeling, World in Action, probably. Because it had that thing of the Vitruvian Man. Yes, it did. Yeah, zooming in and out, which I was, I was never that happy with. Yeah. See, in, in my head, World in Action, uh, and these, these were my thoughts as a child. It's like, oh, this is the grown-up version of The Lowdown, because it's got the man. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I'm, I'm swinging my arms around as I'm saying this to the benefit of no one. But... See, I don't know if it's, it's scary as much to me as it indicates, oh, it's only Monday. You, know? you, you, you really... Here, here's some terrifying news about uh, letters going missing. Uh, Please let Royal Desmond Miles. be on the other side. You know. 14. The dot stop from Playbus. The Playbus! But where does it go? Where does it stop? Watch for the sign of the lollipop. Now, this is going to be a bit of a, an age-dividing thing, isn't it? Cause, uh... and, uh, I, I, want, I want Phil to react to that in one word. No. <laughs> I, I, I will also offer no. Stop! Well, I, I will offer no, but probably for different reasons I'll come back to in a minute. It is actually true that, I mean, a couple of people said they were frightened by it, and genuinely, it was the first of the Playbus stops to go, because there were so many complaints that children were frightened of it. It was a bit weird, don't get me wrong. It's it mime, it mime, mime isn't right for children, is it? <laughs> mime isn't right. No, but, but you know, they, they were frightened of it, but I... Was, I was a bit old to be watching Playbus, but watching that and the patch stop for very different reasons. <laughs> I was a teenage boy and Dot looked a bit like Lisa Stansfield and was bending over things in the jumpsuit. Which which Dot though? Oh, first Dot, original Dot, yeah. I, I liked uh, that ginger one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what Y-Bird? Hey, Dale! <laughs> I can, can we all agree that Y-Bird was shit? Can we agree on that? We can. But also, I'm fascinated by the idea that it was taken off for being frightening, because so many things, especially higher up in this list, were quite obviously scaring children out of their wits, but they just kept using them and showing them forever. <laughs> well, 13 is in a very similar vein. It's Crow from You and Me. Yeah. dispute this even though one of my sisters was petrified of crow to the extent that I remember her crying when you and me came on having to go and get my parents. Crow was a stop motion crow who presented it with Alice the hamster. All he wanted to do was increase child literacy. As you do. It's not scary. He's trying to do some good. Now I'm gonna say to Phil when I say you and me what comes to your mind? Cosmo and Dibs. Yeah, Cosmo and Dibs. Cosmo and Dibs. I, I have no idea who Crow and Alice are, these usurpers to the crowd of Cosmo and Dibs. Oh, well, they were almost forgot about history because until last year there was no evidence of them on the internet. It's that anyone following me on Twitter might have repeatedly seen me say, Internet, you failed, there's still no Crow and Alice. But Cosmo and Dibs, don't forget, I mean... I, I don't really remember them because I'd sort of moved on from you and me by then. Were they ever scary? Because there was one where they were assaulted by a stranger, wasn't there? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't remember that as a kid. I've been told that by hilarious clip shows who find that and there's a dead hamster one. Is it a hamster? It's a guinea pig, isn't it? Yeah. It's a guinea pig, yeah. So something's definitely yeah. dead. And yeah. people go, ha, 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 ha. All the time like in it. the 80s you got things like that. I mean, what are Cosmo and Dips? They, they simply are. Exactly. That's all you need to know. <laughs> 
But yeah, you're right that everything in the 80s was, was doing that. I mean, with Sesame Street, it was that one of the actors had died, wasn't it? So Yeah, Mr. Hooper, yeah. Yeah. A couple of people also mentioned Duncan the Dragon, who I think was in between the two, but I don't really remember. But he looks like he was a clacky-mouthed green dragon puppet. Excellent. <laughs> and can I just say that this, this here, especially for at Matt the Badger, whose wife apparently is frightened of Albatross by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I mean, I can understand being frightened of a literal albatross. At 12, there is a warning now. I would recommend not listening to this next three or four minutes because this is going to bring back a lot of painful memories. Meet the wheelers. You have to come out sooner or later. And when you do, we'll tear you into little pieces and throw you in the deadly desert. I haven't done anything to you. Isn't that a stolen lunch bail in your hand? Isn't that a chicken in there with you? Chicken! The Gnome King doesn't allow chickens anywhere in Oz. Who's the Gnome King? Who is the Gnome King? <laughs> yes, those are the Wheelers from 1986's Return to Oz. Now, before we even get to the Wheelers, which are fucking terrifying, let's not forget that this film starts off with Dorothy... Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, which this is a sequel to. Because she won't stop talking about Oz. Her guardians have sent her to a mental institution Hmm? because she keeps talking about Oz and they think she's insane. She goes to Oz just as she's about to receive electroconvulsive therapy. So that's the start is, of a kid's film. It's one of those things that just seemed to be in the video shop. It was a video shop thing that used to give me a chill after seeing it every time I went past the box. I mean, there were, there were covers with skeletons coming out <laughs> of bodies and stuff like that and blood and guts. And I'd almost wave to them so I could not. <laughs> I didn't have to look at the Return to Oz box. I mean, imagine Labyrinth. But found at the bottom of a bin. Essentially, Dorothy arrives in Oz, or maybe she's just dead because she's been zapped with the electric shock. We don't know. And everyone in Oz has been turned to stone, and those fucking things Mm. are scooting around. I don't know what they're going to do to hurt her because they've got wheels for hands, but it's it's still fucking terrifying. Deeply unsettling. Well, the one thing I know about it is that there's a robot in it called TikTok. Yes. Now, is he frightening or not? No, he's pretty... No, I, he's I like the good guys. Well, do you yes. know who played him? Who? No. Michael Sundin, who... Blue Peter did the feature on the making Return to Oz, and they were so impressed by him on set playing TikTok that they got him in as a presenter. He's the most unpopular Blue Peter presenter ever. <laughs> and he was wow. he was let go, and he ended up doing a gay nightclub act, and then he died very young, didn't he? I have absolutely I, no idea. I have no clue. You, you're the one with all the Michael Sundin facts. It's also worth pointing out that one of the other villainous characters in Return to Oz is a princess who has multiple heads that she swaps around and she captures Dorothy so she can get her head as well. There's a room full of heads, just like glass cabinets full of heads. I do not want to see this film. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. Uh, at 11... You live your songs you hear on the rock and roll radio and when a young girl doesn't have any friends that's a really nice place to go folks hoping you'd turn out cool but they have to take you out of school you're a little touched you know and you baby yeah 
No, it's uh, Helen Reddy. You know, it was one of those, that wave of female singer-songwriters in the 70s, you know, sub-Carol King characters. Angie Baby. Again, I believe there was a verse that was deliberately cut from it, but it appears to be about a boy comes round to try to get his leg over with her and she turns into a sound wave and traps him in the radio. And that she is able to bring him back to life at will by turning the radio on and off. Now, I'm not interpolating from the lyrics there. Go read the lyrics. That is what they are. Uh, Fel, please uh, Google the lyrics to Andrew Baby. Okay. Stopping at house is a neighbour boy with evil on his mind because he's been peeking in Angie's room at night through the window blind. So this is already hey. off, to a, off to a flyer. I see your folks have got away. Would you dance with me today? I'll show you how to have a good time, Angie baby. Then... When he walks into the room, he feels confused like he's walked into a play and the music's so loud it spins him around till his soul has lost his way. And as she turns the volume down, he's getting smaller with the sound. It seems to pull him off the ground towards the radio he's bound to never be found. Well, he got pulled off. I mean, you can't, you can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he got pulled in. Pulled in. It's different. It's not as good. I love that it's evil on his mind. Sex is evil. I mean, that is probably a thing we've run through a lot of these Number 10. And last of all, Professor Yeffel, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> a box. Yeah, a box. A box of what, I wonder? From Bagpuss, of course. Yeah, again. I don't see it. No, I don't see it. I used to I used to really like him as a kid. I used to like the way, you know, he put paid to the stupid flights of fancy about, you know, making chocolate biscuits in a toy mill. He's very much the snopes of his day, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am so unfazed by him that I once went on a mad quest to try and find copies of the books on his bookshelf. Right. I found two of them. Uh, the actual book? I found one called Arctic Adventure and one called Where to Find Wildflowers. <laughs> Sorry, Where to Look for Wildflowers, rather. <laughs> Not Where to Find Them. No, just Where well, to Look for Them. I don't know. Grass. <laughs> some dirt. Doesn't see that much of a book, does it? <laughs> but a lot of people do seem to have been quite frightened by Bagpuss, the programme, just in general. Which I can kind of see where they're coming from, but I never had that at all. I adored it. I still do, really. I'm, I can't really see what would be frightening about Bagpuss. Well, it's all, I think it's all the Victorian stuff and, you know, the way sort of they all went inanimate at the end. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? But not as strange as number nine. It's it's a piece of music you'll know. I'll, I'll just start playing it, shall I? Don't, please. Why? And what what is this piece of music, Tim? That's uh, it's Troisième Nepody. Um, I can't remember which number of the suite it is by Eric Satie, but a lot of people seem to still not like that now. Even I must admit, I find it a little creepy but possibly that's because you know I'm a big art gallery visitor it's the most tedious trope in the world to use that behind your you know your angular performance art it gets used a lot by people like like Gilbert and George in the the film of Man on Wire when he's walking between the the twin towers anything ah basically you know uses that but it's, it's it sounds like there's bits missing from it doesn't there I, I don't, I don't Doesn't know. Doesn't it, rather? I'm not Welsh. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> it needs drums. <laughs> 
tentative sign. Not anymore. <laughs> Do you remember there was a rave record that sampled in the early 90s? I think it was Quartz featuring Diana Carroll or somebody. I can't remember. But it started with like a raved up version. All right. No, but I can imagine everything, everything ever was done as a rave version in the early 90s. So, you know, <laughs> why not that? Was this your choice? Or did, was this a... A number of people. A few people said it. I I have never been keen on it. I've always found it a bit unsettling. The only time, the only thing, time I remember it bothering me. I never used to like when I was really young. You know, on things like Take Heart, they'd show sort of time lapse photography of like flowers blooming and stuff. Yeah, I remember boring. something having it playing over that and thinking, I do not want this. Hmm. I mean, it, it is. It's very fragile to the point where it seems like it's going to just collapse and fall over on itself. <laughs> you know, uh, and creepy is definitely what we're keeping mm. as the watchword for eight. I'm just going to play you a theme tune right now. Spitting images, stuck in a fridge. Why did you play the proper version? I'm not doing that. It's a, no, it's, it's a Halloween special. We need the Friday version. Come on, can we just have that? And then no. Uh, it's not just Spitting Image, although uh, quite a few people mention Spitting Image in various versions. But we've decided to call this Puppets Not Moving. Well, so uh. Spitting Image terrified me as a kid because I'd never seen it really. I mean, I'd seen bits of adverts, I'd seen the puppets turn up on programs, but generally it was just pictures. And being very lifelike, you know, brilliantly done caricatures, they're absolutely terrifying when they're not moving. <laughs> I mean, there were a few people definitely brought a spitting image in general. Mm. Which, when you actually see it, it's not. No. It's, it's ridiculous, obviously. I mean, there are a few quite creepy puppets. Yeah, the early Michael Jackson ones a bit. Oh, oh that's, yeah, from the very first episode, well, yeah. not including the pilot, but there's a very drawn, actual, like, marionette body version of Michael Jackson the pilot with these very wild eyes. Again, this, a, a puppet not moving is terrifying. No, hang on, no, a puppet moving is more terrifying, especially if it's on it, of its own accord. There is an occasion where a puppet not moving is not terrifying, and it's the, um, you know, from Live and Let Die, there's the bit where Yafit Koto gets uh, inflated like a big balloon. Oh, yes. There, there is a picture of that balloon just sat around on the set, and it's the least terrifying thing you've ever seen <laughs> in your life. It just looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's the, that's the anti-spitting image puppet. Yeah, I mean, did that creep you out as a kid? What, spitting image? Um... Well, that title sequence that we've alluded to, yes, because it was like, what the fuck is happening? But yeah, though, if if those puppets weren't in motion, they're just horrifying. Well, I can say now that, you see, I never quite got that, but just from the corner of my eye, just see my shelf of VHS tapes, I'm on there spitting image, it's nothing sacred, with the puppet of Pope on the spine. Oh, yeah. And uh, it does actually look a bit scary. And next to that is the BBC Pinocchio on videos. <laughs> oh, dear God. Uh, the Muppets in particular, I remember, for me... So a few people have said some of the Muppets creeped them out. And again, I think it's the eyes. And it certainly was for me. I remember begging my parents. Uh, we were at Cannon Mill. Big mill building. Sold all sorts of things. Lots of stalls. Lots of little shops. And they had a massive... Muppet Show cast poster and it was just around the time where they'd be repeating them after the Wogan 
on a Wednesday on BBC One, about sort of 7.35ish, and I was a big, big fan. And so this poster was duly bought and it went over my bed and it was the pride of my collection until bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would love this poster. I would happily have this over my bed, even if it meant never having sex again. Basically, it was next to the window, and any time any cars went past, you know you get that beam of light going through, yeah. it would flash on his eyes, and suddenly it, it would be like that bit in Labyrinth, <laughs> where they're going, say the words! <laughs> A few people did mention the Muppets and Spitting Image. Nobody else mentioned Garbage Pearl Kids, so me and Phil felt the need to, to put that one now, in. Now, can I just ask, can uh, I ask for clarification? Is this a film version, or are you scared of the cards too? Do you have nightmares about Spacey Stacy and Ray Gunn? No, no, because the cards were just shit. <laughs> what, even Melting John? I found them unsettling. Now, well, it... Some of them were really, really unpleasant. Yeah, they are, but there was a bunch of stuff like that that was around at the time, and it wasn't... Yeah. No, no one made any of those into a fucking film, did they? That's... Yeah, well, in order to try and explain Garbage Pearl Kids, I mean, you imagine something that's drawn down and it's... You know, a pun, or it's a rhyming couplet, and that's it. That's the joke. There's no backstory. There's no, you know, I wonder what, what happened to them to get into that state. You know, it's, it's just some shit pictures on shit card with some shit bubblegum. But the Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, is makes these real, and suddenly when you're dealing with very, very, I wouldn't say realistic looking puppets, well, not even, but not even puppets really, they are midgets. With giant heads on. Yes. So there's very little articulation in the heads. No. Which makes it pretty much like puppets not moving. Hi, I'm Valerie Bonnet. And this little green chap is Alligator. An eyeball a day keeps a doctor away. No, thank you. I'm a vegetarian. Have a finger. Brought us a lot of trouble, didn't I, Captain? Somehow we've got to keep these kids out of mischief until we can get them back into the garbage pail. First of all, we've got to get you cleaned up. You could do with a bath. And who's in the garbage pail kids, Phil? Anthony Newley, sadly. Yeah. What a, what a career so low was, the end of his life, yeah. And it is a baffling, baffling film. Anthony Newley in that is up there with Graham Chapman being in Crazy Like a Fox. That's, <laughs> it's that sort Still of... Crazy Like a Fox. Sorry, I apologise. Uh, it's that sort of, oh, that that's what you're going out with, is it? Oh, well, never mind. Do you know what's really <laughs> weird, though? I don't think there actually was a Cabbage Patch Kids film. Just the, the low-rent parody of it got a film. Well, at, uh, I think there was a cartoon. There was definitely a Garbage Bell Kids cartoon, which was cancelled. <laughs> there was a pilot made because, uh, quite frankly, someone that did actually go, yeah, this is good. <laughs> Correctly. This good <laughs> 13 episodes, Ben. I thought it was just a episodes. pilot. According to Wikipedia, CBS ordered an entire series, <laughs> pulled it before its debut, and was placed with an extra half hour of Muppet Babies, which, incidentally, can also fuck off. You got 90 minutes of Muppet Babies. 90 minutes! Okay, that is 90 more minutes than I ever wanted. <laughs> it's actually, mentioning Muppet Babies is very good because that's something I associate with Saturday mornings, sort of early on before television starts properly. That was one of the cartoons that seemed to crop up a lot. But before yeah. that... 
That's seven. Da, 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 da. That was of course Morrissey's cover version of the Open <laughs> University fanfare. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Open University it started in the early seventies, and you know it was it's a bit ridiculed now, but at the time it was quite a revolutionary thing that you know just your average Joe could get a degree by watching the TV and doing distance learning. I used to see this quite a lot when I was a kid, and I was never happy with it. I mean, they still use it now. You know, everyone will have a memory of the Open University fanfare, but it was the way sort of that shield, the Open University shield would stay immobile for what seemed like an ice age, and suddenly it just stopped moving, yeah. going ba 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 really loud as well. Staring at you. That's... <laughs> like... <laughs> well, that, that music, bizarrely, it's the opening of something called Divertmento by... Leonard Solzado, I think. Somebody posted that on a forum that we used to go on years ago where people posted lots of archive TV stuff. And after that bit, it actually sounds sort of like jaunty and jolly, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't remember. Like a bit funky, even. I think I'd passed out from fear by that point. But the programmes themselves were never scary. It was just that thing. That particular one lasted well into the 90s. Well, especially because it's sort of almost saying, you know, it's sort of like something from a sci-fi movie in an authoritarian future, you know, saying the likes of you have no business watching this. (laughs) (laughs) This is not for you. Well, it did kind of feel like secret telly in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because it was on at like fuck o'clock in the morning. That's why. I just like it when Stuart Freak presented it. And he actually looked like a Frank Zappa-style freak, you know, with, like, the big collars and the sticky-out curly hair. <laughs> Let's not forget, quite a few people said that they were scared of actual sort of BBC and ITV idents, which it seems a bit odd to me, but they were absolutely straight-faced about it. ATV seems to have freaked a few people out. Yeah. You get used to your regions yes. thing, you know, but then something else crops up and it's like, what the fuck is that? I just mentioning video idents probably gives people a, a bit of a shiver. I think, I think this would probably encompass things like, well, this is the BBC video ident. See, that's more like something from Yes falling down some <laughs> stairs than, you know... Here's a nice jolly video. But that was on front of the Monty Python series 2 videos that I had. Yeah. And I used to dread it coming on, but also <laughs> quite like it. Well, I find the really creepy ones are what are called, from what are called pre-cert videos before you had to have a certificate when they're, you know, all kinds of like putting out, you know, sort of unlicensed films and so on, where they would get their mates, I can only assume, to do an item for about seven pence. And it's like really sort of <laughs> like cut out animation and like a synthesizer going that sort of thing. I don't know why. Although, I mean, even like to entertain when that was in full swing was that. Well, they're just annoying. It wasn't rolling. Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't rolling All of them seem to be someone who falls asleep on a fucking synthesizer. What Neil <sighs> Codling from Sweat? <laughs> <laughs> I 
surprisingly it's only number six but this came up a lot watch out you know when you find that you haven't got as much milk as you thought you had what do you blame it on the birds dipping their beak on the doorstep the kids knocking it back on the quiet well i'm told it's none of these things i'm told it's the humphreys it seems that these humphreys are elusive shy thingies who devote their lives to drinking other people's unigate milk and they go to any lengths to get at it. That is, if you believe that there are such things as humphreys. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, there's a humphrey about. For anyone who doesn't know, it was sort of a, there were all kinds of weird initiatives in the 70s and the 80s. To, I mean, the, the rabbit's just for commodities rather than brands anyway, like adverts for tea and fish. There were loads of sort of initiatives to get kids drinking more milk. One of them was these stripy straws with sort of like sugary sherbet flavouring in that you could drink milk through. And the idea was that you had to do it straight away, otherwise the Humphreys would nick it. And there were adverts where, you know, you'd be like sort of Rod Hall and go, oh, hey, you, let's have some milk. And then the Humphrey would, out, out of you, would lean in and drink it before they could why, get to it. Why is Rod Hall a Dalek? <laughs> because he is. Oh, hey, no, let's have some milk. But yeah, it was uh, people like him and Arthur Mullard. But it seems to backfire because a lot yeah. of kids seem to have been frightened that Humphrey might actually sneak up on them while they were drinking milk, because to the extent that Claire Marshall said that she got sent to a child psychologist because of it. Even though they were never seen, it was just a straw, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You see, I wonder what people thought, because I always visualised it sort of like, you know, like a sort of cuddly toy elephant or something, not something scary. I quite like this piece of music. It's uh, the Humphrey song by a band called uh, the Mad Hatters. Uh, and they do say, watch out, watch out, watch out. So they're not exactly, you know, innocent of not scaring kids. When I got online and I saw, firstly I saw screenshots of this before I actually saw it moving, which was even more horrific. Listen to this if you work out what it is. He's a freaking nerd. <laughs> I think I'm better than Chuck's worst even. Freaking Oh, Jesus. Yeah, see, that's the cleanest version I can get. That is from 1987. That is Max Headroom, or should I say, somewhere in the head of Max Headroom, broadcast signal breaking through an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. And that 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 is really unsettling. <laughs> oh, yes. In America, obviously, you your small little localised stations and someone managed to break the signal of the bigger station, but with a, very briefly... And then my more sustained during an episode of, of all things, Doctor Who, late night. Yeah, because I first saw about it. It was actually on John Craven's news round. They was it really? The thing on it. Oh, where wow. they actually showed, yeah, they showed the bit. They showed the bit where he said, uh, "Yeah, I reckon I'm better than Chuck Swirsky, frickin' liberal." Yeah, I mean, someone's actually translated a lot of that, and it makes more sense. It... I reckon it's one of the perpetrators, because who else would well, know what was being said? Yeah, yeah, that is a very good point. But they've never been identified, have they? No, they haven't. Uh, someone posted on Reddit, I think it was, not that many years ago, that they think they know the two brothers who were involved. 
but they've never proved who it was. And I say it's one of the most famous TV hijackings of all time. Second being Vrilon of Ashtar Galactic Command. <laughs> this this is a it's a British one this time. It's not American. This was a break in, was it Southern TV? I think it was the news on Southern TV, wasn't it the news or the weather or something? It was day by day. And it was an alien demanding world peace was declared immediately. Yeah. This is the voice of Rilla, representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command, speaking to you. For many years you have seen us as lights in the stars. We speak to you now, you say wisdom as we have done to your brothers and sisters all over this, your planet Earth. I think, don't they know who did that? It was a guy who owned uh, an electrical shop. Oh, that was uh, Captain Midnight. (laughs) Oh, was it? Okay. Well, maybe it was a real alien then, Ben. And apparently it happened in November 1977. And this one wasn't a a video interruption. This was audio only. So it kind of, it was a very broken up, it was over the evening news. And this voice came over and it lasts a good sort of five minutes or so. There are a lot of people out there who think it was real as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it is an alien saying, please be peaceful and blah, blah, blah. And that is probably how they would do it in 1977, aren't they? When you can still see the news underneath, it's like a Dardaius prank. And when it came back, it was during a Looney Tunes cartoon, which would have been even <laughs> creepier. Goodbye, Wendy. the uh, ending music from Camberwick Green. Can I just point out that I've not actually, Ben's not actually piping the clips in, but just from saying that, I have literally got a shiver down my back. Really? Yeah. The visuals are a puppet of a clown stirring forwards, occasionally turning a handle to roll some credits round, turning round very sharply to stare at the credits, like as if he's like, uh, got this dame for Brian Cat. And it ends with a really jangly Strom as well. It was stuff that was on when I was home ill from school. That's what I mainly remember it as. I don't know if it yeah. had like weekend morning repeats at any point. Quite often on Sundays, yeah. state first. I definitely thing. remember there being a lot of stuff like that on weekend mornings, like Parsley the Lion and that sort of ilk. I hated Parsley. Parsley can f- Parky. Yeah, Parky, Parky <laughs> the Lion. He's not a very friendly lion. He's a legitimate journalist. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes back to your secret TV thing, though, because, you know, you have to bear in mind, certainly when I would have been watching it, probably, you know, well into the 80s, there was nothing on in the afternoon after the children's programmes of the lunchtime, on the BBC anyway. And so it would end with the staring clown and the jangling cord, and then there'd be nothing after that. Mm. Yeah, no, in that context, it is a bit... And now the void. <laughs> <laughs> Cartoons like that and... Mary Mungo and Midge just had a stillness to them. Just a, they barely moved. <laughs> yeah, and there's a kind of there's a kind of clinicalness to them in some ways. You know, there's big bits of silence. Mm. Everything's very sort of flat and two dimensional. Quite a few people mentioned that for various reasons. Somebody said they didn't like the end credit. It'll be like Midge will hold up a card, and Mary's hand comes in really big, pointing at it. Someone else said there was one. I don't remember this, but Midge got an X-ray, and you saw his mouth scale and they were not keen on that. <laughs> that seems fair. Number three is putting a shiver right through me. Uh, 
it, it begins with this prick. If you want to speak like me, say the letter separately. Put a word between each one, and your work is almost done. Now I'll show you what to do, and the rest is up to you. A whir after O, put a whir after R, and it's away we go. Put a whir after Z, and put a whir after E, a whir after L, a cell after whir, and you let... Hello, I'm Wurz and Gummidge, and we're going to take my head off and scare every bastard child in the world. <laughs> mum, mum, why is Doctor Who taking his head off, mum? I don't why like it. Why is he it? dirty and living in a field? <laughs> That was oh, I used to despise Wurzel Gummidge. I remember disliking him, but when we first put out this call for things that scared people, my dad did helpfully point out, "You will remember Wurzel Gummidge, won't you?" I'm like, "But well, yeah, yeah, I, I don't recall liking him." And he just went, "No, no, 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 no. You were terrified. You were. That was my hide behind the sofa thing. I would run into the other room apparently and literally not come out until someone had turned it off. I was." Desperately well, yeah, again, you see, it was one I wasn't really that bothered by, but, yeah, one of my sisters, for her birthday, like, somebody gave her, you know, sort of the presents you get from your friends at your party, words of gummage writings, actually ran out of the room screaming. <laughs> Had a photo of him on the front. But this this will please anyone who was scared by words of gummage. Years, years later, when the Liverpool International Garden Festival was on, John Pertwee, for some reason, was in residence of Wurzel Gummidge throughout it, <laughs> wandering around frightening children who ran away while he said, don't you be afraid of all Wurzel. But one of my sisters had a summer job working on security there, and Pertwee was given to going around the site on a quad bike, being patronising to the staff. One day, some scallies appeared from nowhere, pushed off the quad bike and rode off on it. <laughs> around the garden festival with the irate scarecrow in hot pursuit. <laughs> See, now that pleases people who are scared of words of gummage, that pleases Doctor Who fans. That's very satisfying. Another thing from the similar era, and another thing that quite a few people mentioned, Metal Mickey. Just no, but Metal Mickey, in case you don't know, not the suede single. This was a robot with very, it's the eyes, it had very dead eyes. I want you to Google now, wherever you are, if you're on your phone or whatever, and you don't know what Metal Mickey looks like, or if you do, you need a reminder, just type in Metal Mickey minus Brett Anderson's face, and there, (laughs) there, look at that. That is a face of murder. That is a face that will eat your soul. Whilst going boogie, 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 which was his <laughs> bloody cat's race. While we're doing this little section, I know this isn't exactly fitting, but I, I, I just I I want to I want to put this in there. Et what, what? et 
Yeah, what about him? It was it was an alien. That terrified me at the same at the same time. I I in my head have Wurzel Gummidge, Metal Mickey, and E.T. in the same little category of murders. <laughs> if you've never seen the film E.T., so you don't know the story. You don't know he's a sweet alien who's been left behind who just wants to help. And so if you just see it, that is a creepy fucking thing, isn't it? Please tell me it's not just me. I, I suppose so, but it's all in the context. I'm guessing this it? never bothered you then. Not really. Just me. I'm trying to sympathise with you, but... Alright, I'm going to tell you this now, and you're going to take the piss out of me. And When I was a kid, for some reason it got into my head that it was a, it was a man who used to explode and become E.T. <laughs> what? I, I don't entirely saw when they like, turn inside out or something. He looked like a man who was inside out. He was a fat man, and I remember this. I dread. I had nightmares like this for years. I had to be convinced to watch it when I was uh, about eight. How did you convince yourself that what what led you to this conclusion? I can't follow this either. I don't know. I don't. (laughs) What sort of explosion was it as well? It was really gory. I can't understand what. What logic you would have followed to, I don't to know. decide? No, I'm interested as well. You said he was a man who exploded. Do you mean he just did it the once, or it was like a he would explode and if he see then he turn back into person and go must control the? No, it was it was. I think it was like a Superman style alter ego. <laughs> what caused by exploding? No, I, <laughs> I, I just I, remember it was like a like like he turned inside out, like he popped, and it was. No, no, I understand what you're saying. I don't understand how you got from <laughs> that CT to this scenario know. you're describing. There's no logic I to it. I don't I genuinely, I can picture it now, and it's been 30 years. Just going to Google ET exploding, just in case there is something that led you onto this. Hang on. Man explodes and becomes ET. <laughs> um, first result, technological singularity on Wikipedia. Uh, PHP explode manual. Oh, Phil's laughing already. <laughs> Stuff about ISIS. <laughs> uh, there you are. I knew I had it. I I think if you check which of the search terms that one found, Tim, you'll find explode was the only one that it found. <laughs> it was part of ISIS. I knew. Shall we? I knew. I had a premonition, hero style. That was it. Shall we move on? I don't know if we should. You know, number two is I well, this. And a very good morning to you from BBC Television. It's time for service information for the television trade. First, transmitter information concerning Stockland Hill and Beacon Hill. BBC One UHF Stockland Hill has been on reduced power since 9 o'clock. Yeah, number two, again, fits into kind of secret TV. It's transmitter information slides. Information about transmitters, obviously, for engineers and stuff. And it was almost like, now, if there's any normal people watching this, please look away. This is not for you. And as you can hear, it's like, all it is is a man reading out the power of transmitters. and Over a picture of some transmitters, that could be the crucial bit. Well, yeah, but it's, surprisingly a large amount of people suggested this. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I do think it is secret TV. It's TV not meant for you, almost. But Transmitter Information Slides does parlay very well into easily number one, number one by a considerable distance. It's not threads. 
It's not Ghostwatch. It's not the fungus episode of God's Wonderful Railway, which I tried to get in there. Not a thing. <laughs> but first, some music. That's oh, very nice, isn't it? It's very gentle. Uh... But of course, it's not the music thing about here, it's the image. And what image is on screen, chaps? Test card F. That fucking clown. And no, no, be fair, equality, that fucking girl as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. Test card F is because famous test card of the girl playing knots and crosses with the clown, which stayed on screens for a very, very long time. And initially from the late 60s as a just a test test colour, really. You can find a lot of interviews with the girl who's Carol Hersey. If anyone tells you she's dead or there's any weird curse, she's not. She's still very much with us. She's very, very angry, but <laughs> yes, she does not like I it I don't at think all. she appreciates it at all, especially when they keep bringing it back. But it is an iconic image. It is the image of, there is no television. Television is not on. Stop watching this. <laughs> the clown will attack. They genuinely look like they might move at any second. Yeah. And her expression is, I know something you don't, as well. I think that's something that you've read into that from years and years of seeing it. No, I don't, honestly, I think that is a, it's a Mona Lisa sort of smile. I think the scariest version of Tess Gardef is the one where the girl isn't there. Oh, my, oh well, it says Merry Christmas as well. <laughs> It doesn't matter whether it says Merry Christmas or not, it's just, where's she gone? Where's she now, gone? people are divided. People are divided. Some people think the clown has eaten her. Other people, like me, think that she's come out the back of your TV while you're not looking and oh. she's lying in wait. It's, it's a bit of a Ringu-style oh. affair. Well, that's the thing. They have kept on and kept on and kept on using it. And people must have been saying since the middle of 1967 when it first appeared, that is too frightening. Even though it's not. It's not. It's a very nice picture of a girl and a clown. Yeah, there's, there's nothing actually menacing about it. It's all what you put into it. <laughs> but, well, do you know what sort of leavens the whole thing a bit? Do you know what the clown is actually called? Clown. No. Idents. No, no, it's not Ian Clown. Don't be silly. It's called Bubbles. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No. Yeah, that was the name Carol Hersey had originally given because it was her toy clown. It's called Bubbles, like the man in the wire who has the whitey sail. <laughs> Most people would say Michael Jackson's chimp, but yeah. To be fair, that clown would inform on Marlowe and wouldn't feel <laughs> any fear about it. People getting out thinking it Johnny Phil for the tiny little kids and they're traumatised. Oh, and uh, they write saying, Dear sir, I was expecting Cannibal Holocaust, not this. Cannibal Holocaust is less believable than Cannibal Holocaust is actually showed it at her primary school twice. Cannibal Holocaust is different. It's actually Cannon and Ball. Even worse.
yes, I've got the top five most popular pet Halloween costumes for this year. For this year? Okay. So, so our data is better for animals than you. <laughs> that is the new well, Riot at Promise. It's, it's, it's more up to date. Um, oh, better. But Let, only five. Only five. Let's go in reverse order then. Okay. Uh, at five. Chef. Who <laughs> wants to dress the dog as a chef? But but even better than that. What does it mean, Lenny? Henry? I don't. <laughs> no, even better than that. That is the only information provided. Just five chef. That's it. Five chef. I was supposed to like Gary Rhodes. It has like a little spike top. <laughs> four. Four. Taco. <laughs> Just those four letters. Taco. That's it. Why would you want to dress a dog as a taco? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, have no idea. I don't know what is wrong with people. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> taco. Oh, brilliant. I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Not even like you know, like Dorito or just taco. Just taco. Uh, oh, nothing, no further information provided. Do you want to put cheese on your dog? <laughs> so, please so with the That's Life team. <laughs> oh, God, what a three! Lady Hosen. <laughs> I'm gonna die! I'm gonna die! And you've done it to me, you bastard. Lenos, and not even in Lenos, you just went dress it as a pair of Lenos. We're only at three. Oh. Where's this come from? This has come from uh, Wayfair.com. Which You're idiots! You're fucking idiots! <laughs> You have no idea what anything means. Hey, hey, they saw a 43% increase in dog costumes sold in 2011. Oh, for the previous year. <laughs> Fucking dog ladies. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, does that just take a normal pair of ladies and chop it right down? I assume so. I, I, I don't even want to think about the logistics of this bullshit that we're talking about. <laughs> anyway. At two. Two. Elephant. <laughs> That's right. Dress your dog as an elephant. Shit <laughs> Don't know. We've had weird charts before and I've never thought you've made them up, but Taco! Ladies and an elephant! <laughs> My favourite legal team in the <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I genuinely have not seen these listeners. <laughs> I am in pain. Oh god, I'm gonna get a drink in a minute. <laughs> I'll call it miniature stampy. <laughs> oh god. <coughs> oh, I'm gonna be sick. And at number one. Number one, superhero. <laughs> Superhero. They couldn't even be bothered narrowing it down. Just superhero. Captain Hero. What's your dog come as? Superhero. Which one? Just Daddy. What's the best one? That one. Iron Dog. 
man. <laughs> what's he called, Maz? Super. Cap oh, Superman. No, it's just a dog dickhead. Cap Captain Dog. Dog Eye. <laughs> Uh, bat dog, dog man. The incredible dog. Dog, <laughs> dog, 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 dog. Oh. And of course, the incredible Hulk brackets dog. <laughs> based on based on past sales and consumer browsing habits, superhero costumes for dog and coordinated dog and child costumes will be increasingly popular in 2012. Your economy's fucked, America. <laughs> And you're spending over three hundred million on dog costumes for Halloween. So, wow! To anyone out there who is considering or has bought a costume for their dog, first of all, and secondly, bought a costume for their dog that matches the costume for their child, and possibly worst of all, if you bought a costume for your dog and then gone and got a costume for your child to match the dog's costume, <laughs> stop it. It's unnecessary. It's cruel. And by stop it, I, I personally mean stop breathing in and out. Where I'm no worth to planet Earth anymore. Sie Yeah, we're still in the office, and 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 we're still in the office,
this then you'll enjoy my book can't help thinking about me which covers loads of these sort of things and much much more besides and only a small amount of it is scary more details to